Podcasting played nobody. I'm going to jump straight into a question uh, because this is the reality that we're living in. Are you ready? Uh, sure. Um, did did you know, Bill, that um, well, let me credit our friend at Braves and Birds, Michael, that Virginia could make the ACC title game? Yes. Jesus. <laughs> Welcome to podcast. Ain't played nobody. Um, it's not 2007, but it's also something else. We finally, like, it really is like we've beaten this line to death already and it's only Tuesday, but it really is like the season began this weekend because everything was just, I mean, it was never, it wasn't completely orderly. Uh, it's still college football, the ball's still pointy, et cetera, et cetera. But now we are actually unsure of some things like the division races almost all seem settled headed into the week. And now there's, well, a couple of them aren't at least. Uh, this is podcast. They play nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That is the robot Bill Connolly. You can reach him at S A N underscore Bill C S B N underscore Bill C. He's the inventor and proprietor of the S and P plus analytics system. It's the fancy number math by which we measure our thoughts and, and opinions. Um, you can check out the rankings every week on SBNation.com, obviously. He's the writer of multiple book-type items. Uh, my name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38Godfrey. And I have the – you know, I love my children, but let's just call it a death march this weekend. Uh, my wife is – I was going to save this for the preview show, but I, I'm going to just spend a week soliciting for everyone's advice on this one. My wife, long past having earned, there shouldn't even be a concept of earning things in marriage, deserves to go to an out-of-town wedding by herself in Park City, Utah this weekend. Oh, wow. Really nice, right? Like a destination. In, in October. Like, hey, man, yeah, just like, oh, right, we're getting married in Huntsville. Y'all come on. No, no, no. Um, I will be responsible for the health and well-being of two children, uh, four and a year and a half, uh, from Friday They'll go to school. But like she flies out Friday morning, she flies back like late Sunday night. Oh God. How am I gonna watch anything? What am I gonna do? <laughs> um, I mean, fair question. I have no idea because uh our one seven year old exhausts us uh, impressively enough that we're like, we, we can't fathom having two, even with two parents. So we are really spoiled and really out of shape in this regard. And I am of no help. Oh God. Uh, the four-year-old is like good on watching football for like 10 minutes. Uh, his favorite team is LSU. I don't, I think it was probably my in-laws doing that. Cause we all drop them there occasionally to like, so she and I can take a trip or something. And my in-laws are around a lot cause they're Catholic. Um, I so he's good for like ten minutes, and then he'll ask me, "Is this LSU?" And then he'll ask me if it's the Falcons, <laughs> and then he'll like he's like, "Cool, can we watch the Transformers now?" <laughs> and so, do I just pick the ten best? Could could you guys just put me on an alert for the ten best combined minutes of the week? I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no idea. Um, that's gonna be is... awful. <laughs> But children are I love blessing. my children. No, 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 I love my children. I do, but this is also going to suck. It, it can be both. I'm excited to spend time with my children, who I see eh, periodically, let's say. Uh, but uh, college football Saturday? Just, uh, Jesus. Um, I'll figure it out. Bill, I mean, I, you're mad I, about stuff. I bet stuff. you will, yeah. 
you're mad about stuff, but I just want to put a pin in this whole Virginia concept because I was just looking for the scariest thing on our Ask PAPN to open the show with because we didn't have like a particular topic we wanted to start with. And Virginia in a conversation, I think, is pretty terrifying enough. So uh, Michael says UVA has a 38% chance of winning at Duke this weekend. If they prevail, their next four games are at home against UNC, Pitt, and Liberty and at Georgia Tech. Am I nuts to think that they can go? They could be nine or nine and two, or eight and three, going to Blacksburg with the coastal on the line. <laughs> Related question: If UVA makes the ACC title game against Clemson, then the spread is going to be a two-digit number starting with a two, correct? <laughs> and how many UVA fans will say if a 16 seed can beat a one in March, then <laughs> anything is possible? That's pretty good, Michael. Um, yeah, they'll definitely say that. Yes, the spread will be massive. Yes, they'll get drug. Um, I assume that 38% is from your numbers, right? I would, I'm guessing, yeah. Okay. Mine, mine are the only numbers, so, I mean, you know, of course. It makes sense now, because Duke's good this year. Yes. And Duke's always good when the ACC is, is getting laughed at. <laughs> yep. So, I should have known. You should just base all of your prognostication, gambling, whatever, on is Duke going to be good or is Duke doing well? Then that means the entire conference is an embarrassment, minus minus Clemson right now. Um, yeah, somebody will have to play Clemson. That's my that's my informed reporter's answer. I can confirm that someone will play Clemson in Charlotte. And I mean, I can confirm that Virginia's really not bad. Um, now, I don't think they're going to win at Duke, so I don't think it matters. I think I, I think Duke is now your ACC Coastal favorite, uh, if it's not still Miami. Um, but Virginia does have to play at Duke and at Virginia Tech, and for that matter, at Georgia Tech, with, uh, with only UNC and Pitt at home. So, I mean, they're, they're probably not – and they already have a loss because they played at NC State, at the juggernaut that is NC State. By the way, Jason Kirk tomorrow – uh, he, he's, he's allowing me tomorrow to write a piece ba- that we're basically going to title undefeated NC state explained. So, uh, yeah, there it is. So shut up. Explainer shut culture mouth. has reached, uh, unbeaten college football teams. So, but no, I, also, I, you know, oh, I have an update, um, oh, uh, on NC state. Sure. Um, not surprisingly, I mentioned that I had a friend who's, who fronts a band called American aquarium. Uh, and he's from Raleigh, big wolf pack guy. Um, he will pay for the tattoo. So, and BJ knows like really, really good tattoo artists. Like I have a couple of tattoos I got when I was in, uh, when I was still kicking around Oxford as a, as just a lousy human being. And, uh, you know, I would get a tattoo on the spur of the moment kind of thing, strip mall type experience when I was, uh, under the influence. Sure. And, um, but BJ knows like good tattoo artists. Cause he's like a famous alt country musician. Um, it kind of goes with the with the territory, right. and so uh, I feel better about that. Um, I feel fine that NC State's not going to win the ACC, but um, <laughs> I just plan it out in my head that they do. Um, would I go with the interlocking NCS? Nah, you got to go. With I the, like with that the cartoon wolf, like the the almost kind of like Textram Looney Tunes looking one. Well, yeah. Like that vintage one that you see that's kind of cartoony. It looks like the wolf in the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right, yes. That? What are my options? I'm Googling NC State so am logo. I. Yeah. Riveting audio. Um, well, let's put okay, it this Okay, okay. Whoa, 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 hey, sorry. Interlocking. I didn't. I, okay, let me start right away. I do not want the giant S with okay. the N and the C on the top. That looks terrible. What are y'all doing? Um, 
I want what I saw. It was like a Thursday night. Is it their throwback helmet? This okay. Do you see the one that's a diamond shape? Yes, the diamond ACC one. ACC fans, that's oh, what I would get on okay. my butt. <clears throat> I like the single head where it's like a kind of cartoonish, kind of growly uh, uh, wolf with mm-hmm. the little cap. Yes. Uh, I see a modernized logo that I hope is like was never used, which is a pack of wolves like sort of growling on top of a mountain. That looks terrible. Um, that looks like an insurance company's logo. I definitely don't want this nonsense. This like big bold, uh, what do they call it? In like relief in re- is it? Ah oh, man, I never paid attention in design class in journalism school. Um, definitely don't want like that. The giant wide NC State. With no. those raised letters, I mean that would be the shading on your skin. That's really hard to do. Now wait, where are um, you getting this? By the way, did you say on your? Ass? I didn't say I could get it on my ass if I okay. want. I didn't say it because I just I got angry when we were doing it. and I was like, I'll get a tattoo. Um, well, that's called if it's, that's called parental editing. What I just did, where yeah. I allow a beat for the profanity. Yeah. Um, I've gotten real good at that in the last um, two years. Well, if it's on your butt, it doesn't matter. But if this is something well, it matters that other people, to me. I see my well, I see yes, my butt but occasionally. if if other people are going to see it. Then yeah, like you almost you have to go with the cartoon wolf because that's a conversation starter. If you just go with anything else that's just like red NC State, it just looks like with you're an my, NC State fan. People might not even talk about it. They'll just think, hey, there's an NC State fan right there. With my wife. Now, well, if I get it on my butt, I can't get this one that's a side profile of the cartoon wolf <laughs> licking his chops. Okay, well, sure, but um, or could I? But on on if it's on your butt, then yes, it's between you and your wife, and and hopefully nobody else. But if it's if it's anywhere where somebody in public will see it, you want to get the wolf because that's a conversation starter, and that allows you to say, actually, I have a college football podcast, and and then we just picked up another hey. listener. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, can you hear Bill? Or Bill, can you hear my wife right now? Yeah, I I, uh, I think so. Yes. You're on the podcast. I just wanted to uh, run something by you real fast. Okay. <clears throat> Um, if NC State wins the ACC, I have to get a tattoo on my butt. Well, it doesn't have to be on your butt. It can be anywhere. It can be on your face. Okay. How do you feel about that? Um, my vote is no. Okay. All right. I don't know if my vote counts. (laughs) Well, we just need to cheer against NC State now. All right. Well, there's your verdict. Now, would you prefer like a logo that said NCS on my butt, or would you prefer a cartoon, uh, like a cartoon head of a wolf? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, aren't they like the Wolverines or something? Wolfpack, honey. Wolfpack. <laughs> wolfpack. Yeah. Um, uh, the wolf is awesome. The cartoon wolf is pretty great. Go in. Go. Go. Go with the character. So you want the cartoon? Okay, all right. We're gonna have to take this offline and discuss That's, it later. So your spouse and your work spouse have agreed. So it's, it's you, you can't hear Bill right now, but he says that that he agrees with you. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you have to do it right. Oh God! All right, love you. Uh, okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm gonna get my ass chewed out. <laughs> Speaking of, for putting her on the podcast on the spot. <clears throat> She's but no, like we, we both agreed, so it's the wolf. You, you, there's no 
It's just a question of whether only she can see it or not. I've always been partial to interlocking logos. I think they're cool. And um, one of my favorite logos in college sports was the Nike Mississippi State logo, which they, they can't use anymore, which Mississippi State fans. Now, it's could just be because I'm talking to them and they hate me irrationally and they'll just disagree with me on principle. But they're like, no, we don't want that logo anymore. I was like, the Jackie Sherrill, Wayne Madkin era of <laughs> the interlocking Nike logo was so much better than that, like – it's essentially a fat Michigan M. It's a it's a it's it's the the Michigan M moved to North Mississippi and eats at a buffet because he has no choice and it gets fat and maroon. And that's it. That's what that's what it is now. And well, then they I, put a dumb they they literally put a banner, much like a muumu, because he can't fit into normal clothes across of it and it says state. The but, interlocking MSU is so much more badass. And the cartoon bulldog is better than all of them. As always. It's always the cartoon animal that Which is the one? Best. The well, either either just the head, which is okay, or the entire body, mm-hmm. like the perched bulldog. You need the you need the one you you need the one walking upright with his with his hands in a fist. Oh yeah, that, there's that one too. I'm looking. That's at the one '90s that, one. I'm the one, at one that's that like, has he's on all fours, but it's there's one where he's grossly obese and he's like sort of half laying on, <laughs> half humping the yeah, the Mississippi I, State logo. I'm not looking at that one right now. Um, no, they use oh, that no, one no. all the time. It's terrible. Man, there's a lot of them. I know. Google is. You would think for a school with as generic a logo as the Bulldogs, they would just kind of pick a thing and run with it. Google. Although is, LSU uh, fans can tell you, LSU fans can will will passionately discuss uh, the original Bayou Bengal logo of the actual sort of growling tiger's head, a very furry tiger, and it's done a little bit more artistically versus the I think it was introduced in the '90s, what they call Tunes's in honor of the old SNL skit mm-hmm. of the more cartoon-looking tiger logo that they all hate. <laughs> I will say this, and we've dedicated a significant portion of the opening of the show to this. I feel this pain because as I sit right now, I'm staring at – I have a hat that's falling apart, and I keep wearing it because it is one of the few pieces I can find that has the the pre-2002 Atlanta Falcons logo. So it's the very it's the black and white outline of a bird that faces profile. They went to that robotic crap that's currently on their helmets in 2002. I have affectionately dubbed it Laserbeak, uh, speaking of the Transformers. I hate everything about it, and I I think I have nothing. I don't think I own anything with the current logo on it. Okay. So I know your pain. If you're out there, uh, by the way, feel free to add us. It, you know, not that we're going to turn this into a multi episode discussion, but if your school currently has a logo you hate, I'd be interested in that. <laughs> no, seriously, I would. Yeah. Ole Miss, not allowed. Yeah, don't, just, yeah, that I one's don't, too. Don't yeah. at me because yeah, I'm going to tell you something. That land shark, it's awesome. Slaps. It's it's also terrifying. Uh, the head is not the right size. That's okay. I've, people say the same thing about me. Uh, yeah, did I? You don't have a small head either, bud. I yeah, I'm I, I got Irish in me. Um, what is your uh, what what's your hat size? It uh, well now I do like the one size fits most kind of stuff, and it basically works. But I believe it was uh I got I went past seven and a half. I think I was at seven and three quarters. Yeah, it's, I'm. I think I'm. No, I'm seven and five eighths. Okay. Yeah, that might that's, have been. It was. It was, after, it was over seven the, and a half. That's all I remember. I have one Braves hat that's like the actual Brett, like hat that the baseball players wear, and it's seven and five eighths. I got a. I got a. Uh, a punum is that the word in Hebrew? I don't know. All right, uh, I think that means face. Bill, we have not talked about anything, and we're fifteen minutes in. NC State playoff. Oh, okay. Getting in on the butt. Yeah. Um, well, not even playoff. They could lose as long as they can miss the playoff. You just said ACC title. 
I honestly think if AC, if if they win the ACC title, they will. I mean, have, the odds are pretty decent at that point, but it's still not. Well, no, 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 no. I was I was gonna say the opposite. It's one of those situations where they would knock out Clemson, and then Clemson's schedule would be, would be too weak as a one loss. Well, right, but you're talking about I thought like NC State making the playoff. I know. I'm saying like maybe I know NC State's undefeated right now. I don't think they're going to be undefeated when they go to the ACC title game. Okay. Well, I mean, if they beat Clemson, uh, actually, no. If they beat Clemson, they're they're 100 guaranteed to lose that Syracuse next week. So never mind. Hey, can we talk seriously about Syracuse for just a second? Uh, because it keeps sure. coming up. It, no, it, like it comes up. It comes up when people talk about Notre Dame right now. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who's thinking that that's a thing? Like, like the, 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 there's there's another big win for Cuse coming. Am I the only one? No. Well, they're only guaranteed one a year. Um, no, Notre Dame's schedule is funny because, like, even starting with Pitt last week, every it, they are projected for, like two touchdown favorites in four or five remaining games, uh, and in yes. the other one, they're five point favorites right now for USC according to S and P. But Pitt, Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC. Like, I just list one of those names that you can immediately think of. Either times they've beaten Notre Dame, or times in re- you know recent past where they have pulled an upset, or like Florida State, you know, winning the national title in the last five years. Like mm-hmm. as 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 high as their odds are, and I mean they're up to thirty one percent chance of reaching twelve and 74 percent chance of being eleven and one or twelve and zero. Um, it, it it it's I, I would not even be able to pretend to be all that surprised just because of the helmets involved and the history of these teams. So it's absolutely a possibility. Uh, and I mean, that's, that probably doesn't mean anything for the games themselves, but you know, I mean, Navy's, ugh, Navy's pretty bad this year, but Northwestern Florida state, Syracuse, USC are all going to into that game saying, Hey, we can, we can do this. We've done worse. Um, and, and that is going to make it at least a, maybe a, a, just a, a, a little bit harder than it otherwise would have been. Okay, so Florida State wasn't the win then because Florida State's just not good this year. So Syracuse gets to murder somebody this year. It's, well, it's like a law. Sure, but they're not – Florida State and Syracuse aren't exactly that far separated from each other. Um, right, that's what I'm saying. But last year, Syracuse beat Clemson, mm-hmm. a team they were very much separated from, a playoff team. Oh, okay, team. I, never mind. I see what you're yeah, saying. They you get their one, their and the win. only right. one left is NC State at 16 right now or – I, and I don't think it'll be that game. I think it's going to be Notre Dame. Shocking, that is, I know. That Shocking. is the least uh, likely win they have remaining on their schedule, but possibly. Well, of course it is. That's the point. <laughs> well, and also, um, next time Dino Babers actually has a team that's good in November, it will be the first. I, well, well, actually, no, the next time they win in November, it might be the first. Something like that. It's crazy right now. Um, so salty. How bad they've been in November as compared to like September and early October. So they've got plenty to prove here down the stretch. And if they want to beat Notre Dame in mid in mid November in Yankee Stadium, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, we need to plow through some Nebraska stuff real fast just to get it out of the way. And I have one anecdote that I can provide as a reporter. You ready? Sure. So I've got Aaron Mangles. Despite being zero six, Nebraska is ranked just outside of the top half of the S and P plus. Can we make a legitimate case that the Huskers are the best zero and six team in the history of college football? Asking for a friend, and then I have Josh E. who says, uh, "Bill and Godfrey, dot dot dot, Nebraska, dot dot dot. I don't even sincerely, all Nebraska fans. There was a headline in USA Today. Bill? Okay, sure. Is that right?" Uh, about the buyout for Scott Frost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was USA. We today. saw it at work, right? It was was it USA Today. I think so. I'm gonna have to scroll up because I'm about to put the fuck. Oop, I'm about to put the, the, put, the uh, what? Freak, put the what? Put the freaking screw. Well, I gotta use a swear. I gotta use a swear pass in a second from a source. 
Uh, I'm about to put the screws on this concept. Uh, it was okay. USA Today Sports at USA Today Sports. Make sure you check them out I, or not. I don't care. Nebraska would owe Scott Frost as much as $26 million if the school decided to terminate the embattled football coach. Embattled. Okay. Embattled. I jokingly <laughs> texted my, my number one gossiper in the assistant coaching world about this. My number one, hey, which way is the wind blowing at X, right? And he was he's good, or if he's not good, he puts me in touch with somebody who's good for pretty much anything like east of the Rockies, okay? Because <laughs> remember, I've told y'all before that West Coast is a different culture. And I sent him this text, and I was like, "Is have anyone has this <laughs> has this been discussed? Talked about anything other than folks la- like the people who don't like Scott laughing at him? In other words, what are the chances?" And he texted back, get ready for a 15-second scrub forward, parents. <clears throat> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so there's my blog post this week as, I, as I'm as i done with the Tillman Fertitta story. Source. Are you fucking kidding me? No. I, why? I mean, why? That's... Hey, hey, man. I have friends at USA Today. I have friends everywhere. Why y'all doing that? Am I missing something here? Or is this like is the dumb fan hubris of year one? Is it now spread into the media? He ain't getting fired, y'all. No, like that would be the the worst. Po- well, financially, do clearly, you it would know be terrible. what? Do you know what that would reduce Nebraska to? <laughs> Here, let me tell you what it reduced Nebraska to, real fast. There's only two human beings that would take that job after that. Tom Osborne. The, Tom Osborne was not who I considered. <laughs> I didn't. Frank Solich, who ain't gonna take it, and maybe Craig Bowl. Who would be smart not to? Yeah. That's it. In I, all of college football. I can't even go that far. And like, you know what would happen if like, no, it's just not. No, that's I, I was hoping it was like a joking kind of not serious at all piece. Uh, but I get the impression yeah, but it, it was, was not that he's embattled because uh, he was left nothing and has done minimal with it. By the way, they are trying to set a record. Um Right now, like the whole second order win total thing, like the quick summary of that being I come over the post game win expectancy number after each game where all the key stats, uh, all the key predictive stats that typically produce wins and losses go into a blender and it, they say you would have won this game X percent of the time. Um, let me see real quick. The most, the, the worst season, but in terms of the difference between your second order win total, which is basically you add up all those percentages, like if every game was 50%, then, you know, 50 times or 0.5 times 12, you, you, you could have expected six wins there. Uh, the biggest difference ever between what you should have gotten and what you did get was SMU in 2007. They had a second order win total of 4.7 and they went one and 11. So they're at 3.7, only four teams from, from in, in the 13 seasons between 05 and 2017, only four teams were over three wins off. Uh, one of them was the 4-8 uh, Brian Kelly team, the 4-8 Notre Dame team of 2016 that turned around and was awesome again in, in 2017. One of them was the 2013 TCU team that went 4-8 but was really kind of like 7-5-ish and five-ish and, then did, and then I believe went uh, – oh, no, the, damn near made the playoff in 2014. Um, so it's, it's basically, uh, either a sign that you have a terrible coach who is about to go away, uh, which doesn't appear to be the case here, or it's a sign that you're about to be more than fine. Uh, right now Nebraska is it, halfway through the season is 2.8 second order wins behind where they should be. So they only need to gain about one more, 
win there to have basically the record in that regard. And, and basically what that means is S&P is looking at Nebraska as if they're basically a 3-3 three and three team. Their postgame win expectancy against Colorado is 95%. That's one of like, I think – what was it like four games where a team with that low, a, or where that with that high a postgame win expectancy actually lost uh, this season? Their uh, postgame win expectancy for Troy was fifty five percent. For Purdue, it was thirty eight percent, and for Northwestern, it was eighty four percent. Like they have the, the odds of them losing all four of those games were it was like under one percent basically. Um, they're fine. I, I mean, I understand. 0-6 for Nebraska is not fun. It's not fun for anybody, but they're fine, and they're going to be fine, and they got a freshman quarterback, and, um, well, one of their running backs is a freshman. Probably the, you know, maybe their best running back is a freshman. Their leading receiver is a sophomore. Uh, they're fine. They're fine. He was left no playmakers on defense whatsoever. Uh, I said that in the offseason. This, and this is like what like I've said before on this program. This is one of those – like I kept trying to tell Nebraska fans like or, or, or doing radio and whatnot, like you you got nothing on defense, nothing. Uh, they're like, yeah, but, you know, maybe. No, no, you, you really don't have anything. Yeah, but maybe. No. Um, he, 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 was, he did not inherit anything. They've been extremely unlucky. You could say they probably coached their way into a loss the other day, too. I know, I know Scott Frost kind of said that about his defensive uh, side of the ball, which was a little, a little uh, <clears throat> cruddy of him to do. Uh, but they're fine. They're going to be fine. They're fine. Idiots. <laughs> uh, not the fans. I get it. It sucks. Everyone else around you, dumb. Don't listen to them. You're not getting rid of your coach. You got the right coach. You got a coach that I wasn't convinced was going to go because of the bigger problem with Nebraska that I think he set about trying to solve in a on a long, long term plan. Uh, my God, if they did this, it would be the worst. It, it, I mean, it would destroy the program in a way that. And when I just say destroy, yeah, they'd still play football, but any shred of hope left of being the Nebraska of old would be gone. So no, they're not going to do this. Stop being morons. Also, that Bill Moose would no, no. All right, feel better, Bill. What uh, you got pissed off about there in Texas? <laughs> While we're mad, um, you got you got pissed off by Texas and Michigan State. I had to. I wanted to. I wanted to offer to make fun of myself on this on this here program. That's my job, but keep going because I uh, I, I was almost legitimately mad online on Saturday and it was with my writer hat on. Uh, I didn't piece this all together. Uh, so like, so first of all, Texas Baylor comes down to the end. Texas, of course, looks like crap. They at least made had, they at least varied it up by, um, having the quarterback get hurt. But you know, history tells us they would have looked like crap regardless because Baylor is in Oklahoma. Um, so they get to the end of that game. They've looked like crap. I'm mad about it because I wanted to see something different because I, I, I don't like writing the same things over and over again. But if Baylor or Texas, of course, looks like the, as big, uh, as awful as possible and then survives. And then Michigan State goes to Penn State after looking like crap the, uh, against everybody who's not Penn State, Michigan, or, or Ohio State. Um, they... Penn State, they, they fumble four times and recover all of them. Penn State drops a pick and has like, apparently, like this almost makes me doubt the Penn State scorekeeper, but they had 16 passes defensed um, out of like 28 or something like that in completions for Michigan State. Um, 
But anyway, they basically they get to the end of that game, and I get to say, "Hey, look, Michigan State got lucky as hell against uh, again against one of the big teams in the in the conference." That never happens. Basically, I was mad online, or I was real close to sent, to starting to like just send some angry tweets because I realized that I have this I <clears throat> this phobia of saying like the same thing over and over again. And it leads me to, to, on this very program every single week, say something to the effect of, and we've talked about this before, like 148 times an episode, uh, because it's like this, just this reflex of mine to, like, I, I hate repeating myself and, and I don't want to seem like I'm saying something that, that the re- audience has heard before and blah, 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 blah. It makes, it makes having a, a three episodes a week podcast tricky because you're going to repeat yourself a lot. Yes. But at, with my writer hat on, like, at least Alabama has had the decency to be different this year. And at least with, with, with a lot of teams, like with quarterbacks, just because the quarterback changes, that changes the personality a little bit, or the coach changes or whatever. <clears throat> and you at least get different teams to talk about, even if the same ones are good. Michigan State is just pissing me off, because aside from 2016, when all that uh, regression to the mean crashed down around them and they went, to, and they went th- whatever it was, 3-9 and nine or whatever, they have been basically the same damn team running running for a yard on first down, running for a yard on second down, throwing on third and eight, playing good run defense. In previous years, they've also played good pass defense, but this year they <laughs> they, they they don't. Um, but it's like I, I, I like being able to write different things, and I have nothing original to say at this point about Michigan State, and it's starting to piss me off. Uh, and then they yeah, go but and they I think that's the original thing here. <sighs> also, don't force it. And second – you're not talking about something that I think is anyone is tired of in the national. Well, no, no, no. But like, it's discussion. just like this is this is my inclination. I like saying new things, and I don't like repeat. Like even if it's not like a phobia in this case, I just I get bored writing the same thing, and I don't like. I'm gonna give you a little good. advice. I'm gonna give you a little advice that's been given to me multiple times, especially when I worked on a year, a year's worth of work spread out over like a year and a half with all the um, NCAA stuff. I would often write things entire graphs and stories that were not lifted completely from something else I wrote, but like a recap. And, Mm -hmm. and I would constantly go to the editors and say, look, I've, I mean, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. And you know what? It's Stan Lee had a philosophy on comic books that everyone's comic book is there. It's every single comic book is someone's first comic book is what he would say. I guarantee you when does Michigan state play Ohio state? Uh, couple weeks i'm assuming let's see when that happens this will be not only oh so four weeks week 11 so mid-november wow it's late um i guess it's not well it's michigan this week michigan's the next one they're gonna beat in some impossibly fluky way and then lose at maryland yeah that ezekiel elliott game was like the field goal when that was next to last week of the season um this will be a massive discovery for a lot of people, and I guarantee you it will be something that most of the Big Ten media isn't picking up on the same way. And this isn't a media on media podcast. I don't want to get too navel gaze and too inside the the looking glass, but I'm sure hardcore listeners to this program, and we apologize profusely, also question your life decisions. Uh, yeah, they know that we get redundant about stuff, but we don't get reductive. But um, also, we kind of have to harp on some things over and over again, because otherwise, I think that that's proselytizing. And when we know we're right, <laughs> we'll beat that drum. Sure. So there's that. But also, I get bored. 
saying the I same get, thing well, over and yeah, over again. No, I got that. I, I mean, yeah. And I feel also, well, Michigan State you, should, could just have the decency to lose to Penn State, but actually beat the crap out of the teams they're they're, they're supposed to beat the crap out of. Michigan State well, could have one, the decency okay, to actually one, like, run the Michigan ball State. well for once. Huh? One, it's Michigan State. It is one of the most, like, on paper boring entities in college right. football. Two, it's college football. So, yes, Michigan State's boring, but we always have a rotating buffet. This is like those sushi restaurants on the conveyor belt. Something else is coming to talk about for sure to consume. And then three, uh, you know, Red Dead Redemption's out next week. Go buy a PS4. Uh, no, probably not. Because um, like every single <sighs> other game, I would play it for 35 minutes. Say, this is amazing. I don't have time for this and and never play it again. Um, don't but, sleep. But I'll, <laughs> I also feel bad, too, because... Um, like I had a one of my concert nerd friends for all the absurd non-football road trips I made in college uh, was a Michigan State grad. And we met up a lot and we bonded very quickly over the fact that Missouri and Michigan State had a whole hell of a lot in common. Um, just in terms of, you know, having the little brother aspect, uh, you know, and, and having runs of success, but not sustainable, blah, 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 blah. Like we, so Michigan State is one of those like kindred spirit schools that I really enjoy. And I, I've enjoyed a lot of their the, getting to know some of their fans online over the years. <clears throat> and so the fact that they just make me viscerally angry, uh, there's, you know, then you start inserting some guilt, too, because, you know. I, I should be enjoying that Michigan State went beats teams with you know better recruiting and all that other stuff because that's you know what I live for in life. But they, I, we've told this story. Let's 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 find a different version of the story to tell. And they're like, no no no, we're co- we're cool doing the exact same thing every year. And uh, you know, screw them for that. All right, let's jump back in. You ready? We have a lot of questions. And now all right, we're do like, you want to go? Do you want to go AAC? In? Do you want to go AAC, Boise, <clears throat> or Pac-12? Oof, oof! All the all the sexy stuff that people want to talk about. You ready? Let's go AAC. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, Chester, sustainable arches is a Twitter handle. How real? Just oh, by the way, I need you to pull up Reddit. Um, it's I your am. job every week, and they get mad when we don't do it. Um, love y'all. Uh, how real does Temple schedule get now? Do you think that they finish? Uh, how do you think that they finish against Cincinnati at UCF at Houston USF? We broke down the AAC race a little bit on the recap show. Um, I don't think Temple's a factor in the title, but I like what they're doing. Um, probably your way. Well, I, I don't. They've played like a top. 30 or so teams since the end of the Buffalo game. Uh, I mean, they're four and one. Uh, they've only lost at Boston college, which is still an okay. I mean, the Boston college is top 50 team. Like that's not an embarrassing loss. Um, and they, yes. you know, using the old post game win expectancy, they probably should have won that game. Um, they've demolished East Carolina. They took a, st- a punch from Navy at kind of a desperate punch from Navy because Navy really needed to win. And then they just pulled away late in the game. They've been awesome. They've been one of the two or three best AAC teams in the conference over the last month. So yeah. And they've lost to Villanova. Well, that wasn't in the last month. The Villanova and Buffalo to start right. the season. That's bad. Since then, they've been awesome. And so, well, okay, let me refine this. Here's my thought. They've been good, getting better every week. That's why I like them. I like mm-hmm. the plan up there. I like Jeff Collins. He's a friend of the podcast. Da 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 da. As ranked Cincinnati, ranked UCF, yeah, possibly well. ranked when they get there. Houston, USF. Damn. Like, what are you? What's realistic in that run? Two, uh, two and two are better. Five hundred and get, I just, just y'all just get to a bowl, just get to a bowl. 
Yeah, no. This year just be, get doable. That shouldn't be an issue at all. Like they, I mean, they're going to have a role to play in this damn race, and that's what. Like this is why I ranked it either. I can't remember either the most exciting or the second most exciting race last week because I mean, yes, UCF has to lose for any of this to matter. Uh, yeah. And and you know that's the same way with the G five race, but yeah, I mean Temple after losing to Villanova is up to forty fifth in S and P. Um, USF was twenty seventh, now forty first after trying real hard to lose to Tulsa, but they're still top fifty. Uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 31st um, and you know so they're kind of they're they're absolutely rising especially considering their bad preseason projections are still playing a role um, mm-hmm. th- th- it's bad luck that Temple has to play at Houston whereas others does don't so that's going to put them behind but I, I don't I don't have I, they're in the race they're absolutely a major factor in this race until noted otherwise if they lose at home to Cincinnati this week they're probably not um, but I would actually pro- you know if I were you know gun in my head I'm probably picking Temple over Cincinnati in that game it's a really good year in the conference yes it's a really good top. year in the conference, which is why I don't think UCF is going to run the table. No. We talked about it on Sunday. It's a backloaded schedule. Um, oh, God. I just said something negative about UCF. Yeah. Um, enjoy uh, those mentions. The mentions, they're going to – well, actually, no. The mentions aren't going to be any different because they just perceive disrespect whether you actually say anything or not. So it, it won't change. Yeah. So you be you're polite and you get worried about any kind of confusion there and you're worried about our overall brand and I will, I will get – poetic with my profanity when people do that stuff like our like our dude our dude that's coming after me for nevada the dude never gonna happen the dude who uh came after bud yesterday after say like bud defended a fourth and one call that ucf made and the dude just assumed he was making fun of ucf and got mad Uh, (laughs) bud's like dude i just complimented a mid-major team what more do you want from me here yeah i mean Uh, god that that bud probably had to go lay down after that but but UCF probably has the easiest remaining stretch. I will say that. Um, yeah. But number one, they don't have to play UCF, which helps. But um, you know, getting Cincinnati at home, getting Temple at home, <clears throat> you, they have to play at USF. But I, man, I just don't trust USF at all. They're so unstable. They're they're really fun, and their upside is clear. But they are so much less stable than than UCF, than maybe Cincinnati, than maybe uh, Temple has been over the last month. So I don't. I don't see them running the table either, but no, they, UCF has only a 31% chance of finishing undefeated uh, overall. Uh, they're much more likely to lose a game than not. Okay, two questions I want to do both. We'll just pick which order they go in. A Bama question more for you and a Western Kentucky question more for me. Well, let's, let's, let's not lurch straight from the G5 to Alabama, so let's go WKU first. Mike Harden, two, two tweets combined. Uh, please, please give me five minutes on PAPN. I don't know about five. <laughs> Uh, to tell me if Mike Sanford can turn this thing around. Is there any hope? Uh, he says, five minutes may be a little aggressive. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, but uh, ARG, Sanford's, uh, Sanford's, this is so confusing because Sanford coached at Stanford, and there's a Sanford, there's a Samford University that plays football in Birmingham. Sanford's recruiting has been good, on and on paper it was another good hire by Todd Stewart. It's not working. Is there any cause for optimism? I mean, one um, cause is he's only been there a year and a half. Um, it's bad, but it's very bad. It's very bad. Um, Western Kentucky is one of the most, um, I think, uh, disproportionately in like entitled fan bases. It's come up out of nowhere. I've said this before on the show, and it's not to come after like our particular listeners that are WKU fans. I think it's, I always, you know, us, we love it when fan bases sprout up out of nowhere and people who shouldn't be fans become hardcore fans. And I love that forever. And I love that. I see a lot of Western Kentucky stuff around Nashville. I only live like it's 60, I think it's like 65 miles from my house to WKU's campus. 
So no offense to Mike who asked the question or anybody else, but like y'all had Jeff Brom coming off of Petrino coming off of Taggart and ran one of the best and most exciting offenses in college football for a period of years. And you couldn't sell out the conference championship game at home. So I don't know what to tell you. There was a massive amount of spending on campus and that included the football facility and the facilities for athletics um, that has slowed down considerably and they've got some debt. Um, it's impossible as a G5 to keep hitting hires like this. Yep. It's impossible. And I think he was a really good hire too. <clears throat> I think that there's a drastic difference. And I've been told this by WKU people and coaches. Uh, it, there's a drastic difference in every single thing that Mike Sanford and Jeff Brom do. And when you're in the G5 and you don't have resources that that help ease along that transition, it's really freaking hard. Yeah, like, one thing really um, that I heard, I think it's probably back when I was writing the WKU preview, I, th- I remember asking, I, I think I just tweeted out like, hey, is there anything I'm missing here? Like, because this, this was pretty significant and blah, 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 blah. Um, it might have been our friend Mike Harden who responded. I don't remember, but um, – but he basically, like, it, it sound, it did sound like, you know, Sanford went out of his, he maybe went out of his way to change too much. Like, instead of easing in or kind of incorporating his pro, his changes over time, he basically said, nope, my program now. Which, I mean, as a first time head coach, that's, it's not like he's the only one who's ever done that. Um, but it did sound like maybe there was a little pushback. Uh, you know, well, I don't know. Pushback's not the quite, quite the right word, but basically, the like the, the the adoption of the changes wasn't necessarily successful, and a lot of guys who weren't really good <laughs> uh, weren't as good under Stan, uh, under Sanford, and and there were some issues there. But this year, I mean, look. I, like he's speaking of changes he's made freshman quarterback freshman wide uh, freshman running back sophomores and juniors in the receiving core barely like what three seniors on defense like this is this was a full-on youth movement and they were still very unlucky to lose to Maine they were kind of unlucky to lose to Louisville Uh, this is not a good football team but one and five is probably a little extreme this is more like a two and four team something like that with a freshman quarterback and whatnot like there's your hope is that they're probably not that far away from at least getting back to 500, um, which I realize once you experience the success that you had under Brom and uh, like they freaking broke S and P plus uh, like top 22 straight years, I believe um, like once you experience that, then, Hey, you might get back to 500 in year three of your new head coach. That, that sounds terrible, but it, I mean, at this exact moment, it is what it is. And um, he can still get some sort of success going, but it's, he changed a lot and they were going to fall off no matter what. Cause you can't sustain where they were. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> they expect a ton. They expect you to constantly provide it. And there aren't a ton of resources relative to the expectation level. It's a, it's a good job in the G five. I believe that. Um, there's just going to be a, I don't know when you set a mark and say, Hey, this isn't an adjust. This is no longer an adjustment period. This is an mm-hmm. issue. I don't know when that happens. But it's not yet. No. They look bad right now. Yeah. They look very bad right now. Yeah, they, right. they, they lost by 26 to Charlotte. That's, 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 t- that's mortifying. Uh, over at Roll by Roll, Ricky Muncy um, says, with Tua nursing a tweaked knee, does Bill have enough data points so far to make a split to estimate the offensive S&P for Tua only and for Jalen only? Yeah. Would be interested to see how much difference it shows and which better predicts the Tennessee game. Nah, I'm not going to. No? Why? 
Well, I mean, number one, no, we really don't. Plus, most of Jalen's snaps have been in garbage time because they've been in garbage time so fast. But we don't need to otherwise because we have 2015 and 16, two full seasons of Jalen Hurts to, to lean on as well. They were 24th in offense in uh, – or sorry, 2016 and 17, if I said 15 and 16. Um, they were fifth on offense in 2016. They were 23rd in offense uh, in 2017. Now they are second. Um, they're Like, he – like no, like I mean, with Tua, they are one of the two best. Like they are the best non-Oklahoma offense in the country. Uh, with Jalen Hurts, they are definitely a top twenty offense, uh, maybe better. Uh, and God, this is such a great problem to have. Um, <laughs> like I don't even know what else to say beyond that. Tua is amazing. Jalen Hurts is really good. Uh, if Jalen Hurts has to actually play against Tennessee, well, guess what? They're probably going to win by three touchdowns. Okay. By the way, Tennessee, I t- like this is uh, not anything to do with Ricky's question, but I, I was when I was playing around with this, this kind of sneaked up on me a little bit. Uh, Tennessee now has an 82% chance, according to S&P Plus, of reaching six wins or more. Um, they're only three and three, and obviously, like, S&P kind of saw Auburn as a fluky win, but it was still a win, so now they only need three more. They play Charlotte. Um, they're a slight favorite over Vanderbilt, and then they're basically – like five to seven or eight point underdogs against South Carolina, Kentucky, and Missouri, and S and P's basically saying, "Yeah, they'll probably get one of those." Um, and I, you know, that's even though they're still only in the sixties, you get to a freaking bowl uh, after everything that fell apart last year, and after how bad you looked against uh, West Virginia, after how horrible you looked against Florida. Um, that's awesome. So even if it's a little on the fluky side or whatever, that'd be a great first step there. Um. We got flooded again by Shakar because he asked a bunch of good questions real fast. I think fast. He, he disappeared for a little while, so it was, it's, I know. it's good well, to have Maybe back. he had school or something. Yeah, or probably. Work. It happens. Um, I'm going to pick the UCLA question because yeah. um, people are starting to talk about UCLA again. I obviously don't want to declare that Chip Kelly is uh, – Shakar is a USC guy. Uh, I obviously don't want to declare that uh, Chip Kelly is back after UCLA's win this uh, last Saturday, but is it, in your opinion, sort of a look into things to come or rather a fluke as Cal is slightly in a downsizing – downswing, I'm sorry, due to poor offensive play? I mainly ask this because I'm – oh, he cut his – huh. Cut his tweet off. Oh, is there not another one? After? And then his other questions were about different uh, things. You know, he, he basically, there was, uh, if you click on it, there's a thread. I mainly asked this because I'm a USC fan, obviously looking for, toward an annual rivalry. Uh, and B, I'm curious what you look for in a new coach that has a slow start that you can use to assess them as being, quote, good or, quote, unquote, good or being, quote, unquote, back. Um, um, definitely not back. I will say, like, I mean, definitely they not good. Some, they, they 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 put on a little late charge against Washington, made that super respectable. And like in my SP uh, picks post last week, I basically highlighted UCLA. Cal said, "Okay, well here, here you go, UCLA. Was that a was that a spark, or was it kind of something that just is going to die out immediately?" And they apparently said, "Nope, it's a spark." Um, all I can I can say, like after in the first four games, their average percentile performance, but leaning on the numbers again, was fifty percent. Uh, the last two games, it has been eighty-seven percent. That includes the Washington game. Uh, so it wasn't just that Cal <laughs> did whatever Cal did there. That was a really that was that's embarrassing if you're Cal because it was it was in Berkeley among other things. Um, 
But it wasn't just the Cal game. They showed they were competitive for a half or so, two and a half quarters against Colorado, maybe even three quarters against Colorado. They lost to Washington by seven. Uh, They pummeled Cal. That does appear to be the start of a trend. We'll see. I mean, it's not like they're going to play like a top 20 team now or anything, uh, probably. But now they get Arizona at home. They could make that basically three good performances in a row. Uh, then they get Utah at home. They're probably going to lose that one, but they could. Um, I mean, Utah's another team that's not going to just. Well, I was going to say they're not going to just pull away from you, but they sure as hell pulled away from Arizona. No, but no, you get Arizona. Uh, you get uh, you know Stanford at home at the end at home at the end of the year is not on. You know you can beat Arizona State or Stanford or whatever. You can make this like a four and eight season maybe or three and nine at least. And when you were looking at zero and twelve, that sounds awfully appealing. Um. I think everybody just wanted to boil it down so fast on chip. It's a different kind of year one problem than some of the, some of the other coaches in schools where they expected him to either come in and do something fundamentally different or come in and just be Oregon chip right away. Um, not, you know, neither one of those things is really going to happen. It's kind of, it's really hard to, yeah. to do those things right off the bat. Again, uh, dramatically different personnel. Uh, needs are different. Uh, I think what he wants to do is very different for what. Yeah, the, the culture guys change from had. anything to a Chip Kelly program is going to be pretty massive. Uh, yeah, I, and and I don't mean that in the culture change in the in that way. I mean it in the like more of the X and O way. Well, just, I, I mean it, but like everything else, like all the sports science stuff, he tries to implement all those things. Like the changes are tactical and well beyond tactical too. By the way, uh, I just got a response to the piece I put up this morning about the, the, the teams that my numbers don't like nearly as much as the polls do. UCF fan just responded. UCF had nothing to do with the post. Uh, UCF just, fan just responded. Uh, UCF is underranked by the human voters. Anyway. Uh, the only thing I can add to it was I, I just remember – when he got hired, a bunch of coaches were like, that's going to be a minute. <laughs> that's only, I mean, I, I'm kind of racking my brain here. A lot of people were curious what systems he wanted to run. And that was how definitely much, my curiosity. Yeah. yeah. Like, what was he going to bring from the league? He had a lot of things that didn't work at all. And, and our buddy, Chris Brown had wrote some pretty interesting stuff. It's kind of damning on what he was doing. Mm. Um, as far as the other stuff goes, I think it's time. And I think, I think he is a his guys kind of kind of coach more so than you're supposed to be in 2018. But yeah, also, was, I, I know for a fact UCLA gave him a really long leash, and they don't care right now. Yeah, and I mean, it does seem to be like Dorian Thompson Robinson was 13 for 15 passing against Cal, and and uh, Joshua Kelly, who is not the you know uh, all the run for me, whatever his name is, he's not the blue chipper. Um, 30 carries for 157 yards. It's starting to it's starting to look awfully efficient in Westwood. I will say that. It's getting there. Yeah. It's getting there. Uh, Michael Smith. Michael Smith just, I, I don't know. I admire I admire your effort. You ready? Wisconsin wins the Big Ten. Virginia, West Virginia wins the Big 12. BC wins the ACC. Playoff is Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, and UCF. Just tell me there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you that. I... Um, okay. So he's counting on, uh, so Wisconsin winning the big 10, uh, how many conference losses? Just one. So they beat Iowa. Yeah. That's still on the, it's probably not likely, but it's okay. They win. Um, you would need Ohio state to lose more than once. I think, uh, no, you'd have to, to get UCF in. So you would need Wisconsin to beat 
either Ohio, Ohio State or Michigan. Right. You would need Michigan has a loss. So you'd need Ohio State to lose to Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan to go to the conference title, lose to Wisconsin. They have two losses. Mm-hmm. Okay, we did that one. All right, West Virginia wins the Big 12. That's possible. Yeah. They have one conference. Yeah, they have one conference loss right now, one loss overall. They can beat Texas and Oklahoma. Okay, that one's fun. BC wins the ACC. Uh, the, the, yeah, that one would just – so they would just win out? No, no, seriously, help me here. I'm trying to do uh, this. Uh, so change that to Hang like on. NC State, like our little NC State scenario earlier, and that starts to look a lot better. But let's see, what are the standings right now? Um, <clears throat> does BC is, still only have – I don't know if he was doing this for to be – I know he's obviously doing this kind of to be funny and, and, and to yeah, give the, a crazy scenario. BC but still I'm, has one conference loss. So basically if NC State beats Clemson, uh, BC – they're, and they're five and two. So they have two losses right now. Well, right, but only one in conference, so they can they can still win the right. But we're also looking at them not being in the play. So it's two already things. lost it's, it's winning your conference and then also not being in consideration for the four playoff teams. Okay, so Clemson loses. Okay, so Clemson basically beats NC State, knocks them out. NC State loses to somebody else. BC beats Clemson, and then just for good measure, Clemson loses to like South Carolina, um, yep. just to make sure they're they're firmly eliminated. Okay. Um, All right, then. <clears throat> BC wins the ACC. Okay, so sure. playoff is Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, UCF. So you need UCF running the table, mm-hmm. Notre Dame running the table. Sure, yeah, that. Um, LSU. Are so we, LSU would lose to Bama. Are we saying no? LSU, it's not possible. Are we saying LSU beat? Well, wait. What did he say? Um, okay. All right. <laughs> Wisconsin. I wonder so now. He, my, he, Michael, I want to know if this is one, two, three, and four, which I think it is. So he's got one Alabama, two, yeah, Notre that's Dame, three not LSU. Possible, but if LSU that's beats not possible Bama, because LSU would have to beat Alabama. They already right. have one loss to Florida. Right. They would have to beat the Eastern team and then win the SEC. Alabama with the one loss to LSU would be knocked out and then on head to head, and then would have to come in as the at large. Right. And so it they would they, be uh, they would not be the one would. seed. Yeah. Yeah, no, if Alabama, if we're saying Al- these are just the four teams in some order, then that could happen, yeah. What if they were, though? <laughs> what if they lose to LSU by three, vaporize everybody else, they don't go to the conference championship game, and then they come out and they're like, yeah, we put an, we put an at-large in at number one. I mean, it's not impossible. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I right, could probably you, statistically Michael. justify that, yeah. All right, Michael, there's a chance. Okay, that's what sure. You, that's what you wanted. So the, what's the weirdest thing that needs to happen there? I think the Big Ten shuffling is, is asking that gets a lot. That gets awfully weird. Although, I mean, if Michigan, if Michigan can keep playing like they've been playing, speaking of stories that we've talked about before and might be talking about again, uh, if Michigan can now actually keep playing against rivals like it has against everybody else, um, they could certainly win out. Um, I mean, they're, they're now the highest ranked t- uh, Big Ten team at SP, at least until they lose to Michigan State by some funky. No, they, they would lose to Michigan State by some stupid funky bounce and then move up in SP. That tends to be how this stupid thing works. Um, but yeah, you, that gets awfully. I, I would say the ACC part of that is the weirdest at this point because BC, BC's not winning out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all right, I got o- one over one. to Reddit. Over to Reddit, unless you got one more. Uh, one more, just because you okay. you spent some time in Miami and you can probably answer this um, okay. with some education. Uh, our friend Brody Logan, a media member, a U graduate. Uh, it seems like Miami is wasting a championship level defense. Do the numbers bear this out? What other teams are wasting a great side of the ball, offensive or defensive, with bad play on the other side? Yeah, I've been a lot of teams do that. Um, Hotty toddy. 
Uh, Miami right now is eighth in defensive S&P plus and, and 55 on 55th on offense. It's, you know, we, this is what we said the other day uh, on, on the Sunday show, I believe like they just, we, all of our expectations for Miami heading into this year were based on the one qualifier of, do they have a quarterback? Um, and they do not. Uh, I still think, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised that, uh, Nikosi Perry got yanked as quickly as he did, even though he did throw two picks. Um, but but this was what we feared. You know, they they needed more from the quarterback position than they've gotten, and and not having Amon Richards has hurt that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, teams. <laughs> there are a lot of teams out there that have uh, that are really good on one side of the ball and not the other. And uh, Miami is definitely good on defense. They've gotten fair to say they've gotten a lot more from Gerald Willis than they maybe expected to to get this year. He's been brilliant for them. Uh, on, uh, at defensive tackle, 13 tackles for loss already. Jonathan Garvin has 13 tackles for loss. So they're probably even better on defense than we expected. But this was – defense was good last year too. It was the offense that was the question. And, um, yeah. To Reddit. Reddit. Uh, our friend Slassy on Reddit says, who will be Bowling Green's next head coach and why should it be Bo Pelini? <laughs> uh, I, I I wanted to read this one number one just so we can take a second to marvel uh, at the coaching at the story about the Bowling Green coaching search that officially came out. Like when they hired Mike Jinks, who was like running backs coach for Texas Tech uh, in 2015, who had never coached outside of the state of Texas, who had never uh, I, for uh, maybe had never set foot in the state of Ohio. Um, my, I think, you know, you go back to there, you can probably find jokes on Twitter, maybe from me even, about, man, did they just Google good offenses and they found Texas Tech and decided to bring on blah, blah, blah. It turns out, yeah, he Googled good offenses uh, and found Texas Tech, and Texas Tech was awesome. So he went down the list to the first guy he could afford, and it was Mike Jinks, who apparently was not was so unprepared – who, who had no head coach ambitions that he didn't even have one of those lists in his desk of if I remember a head coach, here's who I want to hire. Uh, he was just minding his own business as running backs coach at Texas Tech. And then Bowling Green's athletic director calls him and said, hey, you want to come have a good offense? You, you like offense. Let's score some points. And he ended wow. up Bowling Green's head coach. Um, that is – it is truly amazing. I will say – like. As 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 mind blowing as that is, uh, our friend Joel Anderson, who is now a VSPN uh, on Twitter, did point out. I, I thought this was a very good point. Um, as crazy as this sounds, as 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 stupid as this sounds, is it really any dumber than just like you know hiring your son or your brother? Um, which I mean, there there's enough nepotism. Somebody who tries to break from nepotism probably shouldn't be shamed as much as the Bowling Green athletic director is being shamed at the moment. Um, I, I appreciate the creativity he showed. The fact that Jinx had never set foot in the state of Ohio probably should have been a little bit more of a red flag than it was uh, and didn't seem to have any head coaching ambitions or college head coaching ambitions. I believe he was a high school head coach or something. Um, that should have all disqualified him, but it was a creative thought. Uh, it was just at some point along the way, you probably should have said, okay, oh, well, I'm not sure about this. I don't want to discourage anybody from making a weird hire because God, we got to talk about something. Um, yeah, there were just there were enough. There's flags. a redundancy in the in the Mac hiring cycles mm-hmm. that makes them so anonymous. I do think that bringing in non traditional hires to the Mac specifically would help change their profile and create 
more identifiable brands for casual, non-affiliated, non-Midwestern viewers. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for being weird. (laughs) Just maybe be a good weird. How's that? Right. No, like, uh, yeah, creativity is one thing, but when there are red flags. Hey, man, Terry Bowden, that was a weird hire, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, No, when when there are red flags, don't don't ignore them. Um, And it seems like there just should have been something along the lines to make you hit the brakes and go, okay, wait, this is too much. This is too much. Let's let me Google good offenses again and see who the next school on the list is. See if there's a more sensible uh, candidate there. Uh, Also on uh, Reddit, our our friend P Bjork um, is the jargon term quote momentum quote-unquote momentum, actually a thing, or is it a fictitious phenomenon that can actually be accounted for by better play calling and figuring out the other team? I wonder if explosiveness or efficiency is correlated into streaks or is randomly distributed. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah, like, my the thing... Can I say yes and no? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, like, when you actually listen to what people, like, analysts on, on, especially, you know, the Mac Browns of the world, when they use that word on TV, it is is a catch-all. It can be like it can be used to describe absolutely anything, like one good play or a series of good drives, or like I saw one person use it when it was when he basically meant having the lead. Uh, when it was like you know you had momentum before halftime, and then oh it was, it was somebody one of the halftime shows talking about West Virginia blocking a kick right before halftime to make it to a little more respectable, like whatever it was, twenty fourteen at halftime against Iowa State instead of twenty to seven. You had the momentum there. You're getting the ball back after halftime, and that kills your momentum. Like, well, no, it doesn't. It just kill it. It it makes your lead smaller. Um, and so, really, that's it is pretty useless as a term during a game because it it can mean absolutely anything you want it to mean. I, and I think I mean this is like the hot hand theory with basketball with three point shooting. Like mathematically, you can absolutely show like no that with any sort of offense you're going to have good streaks and bad streaks. It doesn't have to mean anything. It can just be random and all that stuff, but we also kind of know when when you know, the one thing I could do in basketball was shoot three pointers reasonably well, and I could like there was like a muscle memory thing. Like I, there were times when I was feeling like, yeah, this is I, I you know, I, I do think confident and hotness and whatever can can mean something. Same way about with you momentum. personally. Yes, I'd love to see that. Oh, I was I was pretty good. Um, I was pretty good at the old uh, at the old three point shooting. Now that was back when I. It's been I, I've probably touched a basketball once in the last five years. So right now I would absolutely not be a very good uh, three point shooter. But no, God, that was like the one thing that. I could do. Um. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say yes and no for a variety of reasons. It's very hard to define and quantify momentum uh, because football. There's a lot of things going on in one play. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I've asked before about that when I do embeds and we're just kind of BSing on and off the record and stuff. Um, they coaches look at momentum in different ways. Uh, one is like you have a plan and they have a plan, right? You have a as an offensive coordinator, you have a plan of things you want to do based on what you think they might do. Sometimes momentum is simply the moment where your plan fits their weakness or something they didn't plan for at the right time. Those two things match up like a key in a lock. And yeah, so, you're therefore, yeah. you're, you're able to get three or four or five plays in a row that are positive gains. And all of a sudden, they're going to say, well, they're cooking now. They got momentum. Well, yeah, but what it actually is is that you predicted a week ago they were going to show a particular kind of personnel grouping. And you had an answer for that because of the because of the advantages that you have on the personnel. It's right. that you, simple. You got an advantage in the chess match. Yeah. It's not suddenly, he's on fire. It's not. 
Um, I've also had momentum defined. So, so occasionally those things happen. And then based on the next adjustment from either side, it could go away. So was that momentum? Yeah. Or was it that was just, just an adjustment the right and card? then a counter. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, was that just putting down the right card right. when they put down the wrong, the wrong card? Was right. that, is that momentum or is that just part of the chess? On, on TV, it is absolutely momentum. But, yes, um, especially when, especially with run plays. Everyone <laughs> talks about that's right. when they're running the ball, they've got momentum. That's a big thing we hear. Well, no, uh, the other thing yeah. I've heard about momentum is confidence – from positive plays on the on the lines, so either either one. So if you stop the run very well, or you get to the quarterback early on, you put them off schedule on defense. Or if you're able to gain really more than three yards on first down running the ball, and then you're able to to either turn into a play action or zone or whatever it is you do, and then find success there. Your line is. is I, I've never had a coach say like it's good for X amount more yards or anything, but just say like we can see and feel in their posture and body language mm-hmm. and attitude that they're they're uh, a different kind of locked in, a better locked in, a better, more attentive, more energetic. Uh, you know, offensive linemen will tell you that football is essentially if there's a hundred snaps in a game, it's a hundred fist fights. It's a right. hundred. It's a hundred three second fights for them, and so. That's where the whole taking a playoff concept comes from because it's really the line. It's not like, oh, he ran a shitty route or whatever. It's really the line of are as you are you as a left guard feeling good and reinforced and locked in enough to to win your individual battle seven snaps, eight snaps, 15, 20 snaps in a row. Mm-hmm. And so I've had people say you can feel that your line is feeling good. Um, I personally think, and maybe I'm doing short service to quarterbacks. That because there's so many other things that have to happen for a quarterback to quote get a hot hand, mm-hmm. that I I think it's, I think you're oversimplifying by saying like man he's really he's throwing dimes out there. Yeah, you have a good quarterback who can put the ball in the right space. You see that in the NFL all the time, right? Um, that's why I'm a big Matt Ryan stan. Is that he does have the he he he'll have consecutive streaks of hitting targets regardless of whether the the, the actual play is developing and the line sucks or whatever he's still hitting those those marks and that's what NFL quarterbacks do in college I am more of the belief that it's the offensive line is more individual battles are being won on the line giving you time for things to develop combination of the scheme I think the scheme is a bigger issue mm-hmm. I think you win and lose chess matches in a more dramatic way in college than you do in the pros because everybody's a genius in the pros right. <laughs> Uh-huh. So that was a really long-winded answer to say yes and no. Right. The, and I, the idea of just like seven, eight yards, nine yards, 13 yards. Oh, man, they're, they've got momentum. Maybe. Yeah. It's Well, and you will. Like, I mean, we can talk about that, and there's absolutely the chess match part of it. And there's also randomness because really is. If, like if your average success rate is 41%, that doesn't mean you're going like uh, – or 40%, we'll say. That doesn't mean you're going successful, unsuccessful. You know, you're not just going back and forth, and it's every 10 plays is a, is a perfect 40%. It's going to be all over the place just naturally. But there is also – if you go back to the – the audio in the Miami piece that uh, I jinxed the hell out of Miami with when we put that up uh, before the season started, where I talked to Mike, Mark Richt and uh, Mike Rumpf and Manny Diaz. If you listen to the D- uh, Diaz audio, he'll talk about how, like, there's no question when one unit's doing pretty well uh, or when, when one unit's doing pretty poorly, then you've got to try really hard to keep the other unit engaged because otherwise they'll, as, as Diaz said, as every coach says, they'll start letting go of the rope, like whether they realize it or not. And that's, you know, they'll start making more mistakes and then the whole thing falls apart. That's kind of momentum too. So yeah, it's the way announcers use it 
it only it has almost no meaning because it means everything but uh there is such a thing as losing control of a game or hey i just made a losing control of something joke about a mark Richt head coach team um they I'll, I'll i will say also defensive front seven coaches absolutely hate it hmm? when they see dbs like quote-unquote making a play and then running up and doing like the 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 big no hand wave thing mm-hmm. and like ma- like being real emphatic about it because they're like look we did five things right. in two seconds up front to make him throw a ball that had a very low probability of completion. And then you got in there and finished <laughs> off the eighth thing. You're not Darrell Revis. Like, yeah. I, I hear that. I've heard that a good bit. In Missouri, Missouri's DB do that like after every single incomplete pass, even when they're getting torched by Alabama. <laughs> so it's annoying. Like, Man, guys, come on. Uh, I okay. love, like, I love showboating and stuff like that. And we're, we're a pro player concept here at SB Nation. But I'm right. also like, come on, bro. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah, you just got, yeah, anyway, anyway. You're, uh, not, two, you're not a cover corner, you're a nickelback, and you happen to be five yards near the play when it went two feet over his head. <laughs> um, two questions and we'll end it because we're well over an hour, but we were do a stupid long show. Um, I missed you last week. That's right. Uh, and Richard, I told him, like, we're, we aim for an hour now, and he's like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, no, 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 really, we do. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Like, no, seriously, we do. Uh-huh. And we went, like, 70 minutes. But um, I'm sure he was good, but I'm going to keep my streak up of not listening to shows that I'm not on, mainly because the only time I've, I've listened to a show I wasn't on, you idiots started talking about Christmas movies. <laughs> what What is your favorite? Anyway, um, two questions. Uh, one is Die very hard. easy, and then we can go out with the other one. Um Mason Boom on Reddit says this time of year you hear a lot of talk about teams having a buy before a big game. Is there any evidence that teams outperform their usual selves or S and P's win probability in games uh, immediately following a bye week? So if you Google football study hall, do bye weeks actually help? I did write a piece about this in 2016 that I can refer you to. Basically, um, you th- let's see. In terms of how you perform against Vegas, uh, against the spread, um, if if you've had you, – you tend to overachieve by about two points more than like after two weeks. Like if you had a bye week, then when you didn't. Let's put it that way. Um, so there, it does seem like there's a you, – you get maybe the slightest of bumps. You make one more play or two more plays uh, after a bye week. Not, so maybe something that will change whether you cover or not, but probably not whether you win or lose. Um, but no, there, there is something uh, to that. So read that post. Google that and read that post. Uh, the question we will end on, uh, our friend Rakarai on the Reddit, R-A-K-A-R-E-I, a USC fan apparently, does Larry Scott – this is a, you know, a topic that I knew we were going to have to discuss at some point, uh, even though it's five days old now. Does Larry Scott survive the Pac-12 refs deep states conspiracy? Also, do average fans emailing the AD or university president do anything, or does no. that kind of pressure only work when coming from big donors? Yes. Yes. Um, but the first one, the Pac-12 refs deep state conspiracy. Um, so I did a piece on this where I embedded at that control center. What was outlined in the Yahoo article makes no sense to me. I'm not saying that I'm not saying the report was wrong. I believe the report. I'm saying the procedure that was put in place and how uh, the head of officiating, David Coleman, and I shattered him specifically for about ten hours that day. Uh, you can go read that at SBNation.com. Makes no sense. <laughs> 
It. Um, I, I don't have anything to add other than what are you doing? Yeah, it like it, it was kind of dressed up, and maybe I mean it's Yahoo, so maybe this is just uh, come came with the terror. It, it was dressed up like it was a deep state. They thought, conspiracy. They thought a kid got paid, and they got real upset. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, um, merit badge. With, with the headlines and everything else, I was reading it thinking, "Oh my god, like this is oh wait, this is uh, this was clumsy as hell, but not not a deep state conspiracy." It basically, it sounded like they basically they took the whoever was the lead counsel or whatever. They said, yeah. "We want we want an extra set of eyes on targeting," and so he learned, he read a lot about targeting and then offered an extra opinion on targeting, uh, and it was clumsy as hell, and clearly it didn't work because they missed. They missed two very, very, very obvious targeting uh, calls in that uh, USC Washington State game in question. One in the article, and then a, an even worse one later in the game uh, that that apparently the lead counsel didn't like overrule or whatever. But it just sounded like basically they they wanted to, like they're a mom and pop operation. They wanted an extra set of eyes on something, uh, and it was it was just kind of dumb. Uh, it wasn't evil or, or conspiratorial or whatever. It was just kind of dumb and clumsy and it didn't work. And they, and once they got, once they got caught, Larry Scott basically said, yeah, this, this is dumb and clumsy. We're not going to do it anymore. Um, so I guess the article did its job, but yeah, it really was meant to sound corrupt and bad and it was just kind of dumb. But anyway, the, the main point there is like, is Larry, is Larry Scott on a hot seat here? Is he like, is he legitimately in trouble? Does this push anything over the top or is it just everybody understanding that it's kind of hard to make money in the PAC 12? Hmm. He could be. You're getting flanked now in a lot of different areas, Bill. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Um, it's not just the playoff drought, but it Wait. is the playoff drought. It's not just the network problems, but it is the network. Yeah, problems. I'm not even thinking about the playoff drought. I'm, t- I'm just, it's money, <laughs> and they, they aren't making as much as they were probably envisioning that they would be making six years ago. Um, I do think the membership wants to. I think what now, what I'm about to say wouldn't bar them from from terminating him, but. I think the membership's looking around thinking, I don't know what anyone, want, any individual could do to fix this situation mm-hmm. now. So maybe that's bought him some time. The The network thing is slowly just eking towards disaster zone in right. terms of the money, in terms of money, right. not the production quality or anything else. Um, it's either that or they, the, the thing I still don't understand about the Pac-12 network is why they haven't just turned into a pure OTT service. That's the one thing I don't get. Yeah, and what I mean by that is an autonomous streaming service where you can just have access anywhere in the world, be it you know Netflix style. That's what right. we always talk about, right. like the future of sports becoming. That's the one thing I don't understand. Why not just take the network right now, and say it's an app on your phone, it's an app on your television, it's an app you know across all platforms. It can still be included in a package with direct, uh, not direct TV. <laughs> Sorry, it was the first one I thought of. And that's the problem. <laughs> you know, Time Warner Cable or Comcast or what have you. And uh, we'll do all that. That's fine. But also for four ninety nine a month. I mean, it, just do the HBO Now model, you know? Yep. You have to. There's, there's HBO Go, which is the HBO that you get access to. If you pay for HBO as part of your cable package, you get an app as well. And then if you don't have cable like me, you just have... Uh, I have Google Fiber Internet, no television provider except for YouTube TV, um, and then I pay for HBO Now, and that's it. So just do it. Uh, <laughs> I know that I know that there's some stuff in the way of that with some of the agreements that they have with the current carriage holders, but they've mm. got to push through and find a way to do that. If they do that, 
They still have to address the quality of the content. And I don't mean, again, the production. I've been to the studios. It's very nice. Everyone's very nice. I mean, specifically, they need to address the football part of it. Um, a lot of the bets that they made for the short and long term after they sort of became the Pac-12 have not paid off. They need USC to be to get <laughs> to get yeah. straight up good. Right. What's hurting them? What that what really hurts them? Obviously, of course, is that Oregon beat Washington, and you have a collection now of like pretty good teams in the Pac-12 right. North that are really good and competitive on a national level, and none stand out. Yeah, the Pac-12 still Between easily those, grades out better than the ACC right now. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't matter, no. and that's what hurts. No, and that's and. I, I, and you look at Kevin Sumlin and Herm Edwards, and you don't see, you don't see a national contender coming out of that. No, but uh, and so, I mean that's Arizona. Like the the big things with the Pac-12 are obviously USC, UCLA, not quite being able to take the next step with Jim Moore and then falling apart. Um, you USC, need good football in Los Angeles, flat out number one. That's your number one market. Yeah. It's the number two market in the country. You need and you own it in a way that no one owns New York. Don't let the Big Ten tell you that. Oregon is potentially improving back to something resembling Oregon. Washington is is going to remain very good, if not national t- title caliber. I mean, um, I'll be honest with you. They need they need their good teams to be chalk and and to yeah. be dominant and to be a big deal going into conference championship game. And I'm going to say something that I don't even agree with on a personal <laughs> fan level. No, I'm serious. They need Stanford to not be that team. <laughs> Yeah. And that sucks because I love everything that they do and I love the culture they've created and I love the fact that they're a great, fun, weird, unique story in college football. One of the best on-site features I ever wrote was about tailgating at Stanford. Yeah, that was great. And I had a blast doing it and they like these dudes that were like software app engineers making four times what I'll make in my life and you know when they're 22 were out trying to like affect the culture of tailgating at a Bama or you know LSU game. They were roasting a duck and drinking, you know, wine. And it was a blast. <laughs> I loved it. Every minute of it. I'm telling you right now, the Bay Area doesn't give a shit about them. The na- the, the national viewing audience doesn't. And I'm, I I want to be 110% clear. I even follow the Stanford blog on Twitter. I think I like those guys. I love everything that Stanford does for college football. What the Pac-12 is going to have to address here soon is that they just got to go straight chalk, appeal to the masses, and get a get a mainstream hit. And the way you do that, honestly, is Oregon or Washington in the north and USC in the south, maybe UCLA for now. Yeah. I love you, Utah. I do. I, like Colorado, great story. I like all those teams. I like those programs. I love to argue on behalf of the Pac-12's relevance and and purpose in college football. Right now, they need to get back to having one or two teams that can really have a conversation about being top five in college football. The yeah, I think um, I think I get more comments and responses on Twitter to Washington to when, when I write my Washington preview than I get hits when I write my Stanford preview. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. But like going back to Larry Scott here, yeah, it's not Larry Scott's fault that uh, Jim Moore fell apart or that you know if if it turns out that Clay Helton is going to just be decent and nothing more, it's not his fault they hired Clay Helton either. Um, but. The, I think the, in real time, the one thing that they that he did that I went, wait, what was the whole like every every uh, Pac-12 program gets their own channel or whatever. Um, it's basically every state. State, okay, yeah, like roughly, that, and then the Rockies are together. Instead of going down to like you were saying, like really focusing on the streaming aspect of things and the website and all that, it really seemed like they. 
Like that, that was a weird play to TV that just never really made sense. And I was wondering if that hurt them when it came to like direct TV. Um, Cause that was something that, you know, maybe it's weird, man. Like I still couldn't, I wrote, I've, I've had three or four stories about the mm-hmm. Pac 12 bill and I've been to their offices twice and I still can't exactly tell you what that breakdown is. I, I could roughly, I can tell you right now, there's a Pac 12 Washington, there's a Pac 12 Oregon, there's a Pac 12 LA and a Pac 12 San Francisco. There's a Pac 12 Arizona. And I think there's one that's just called Pac 12 Rocky Mountain, mm-hmm. which is, Utah, Colorado. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, I think I just got them all. Yeah. Um, I've never been able to figure out where I am on the West Coast. If I'm in a place that has the Pac-12 network, what mm. the F they're showing. Like, it, right. I don't. Yeah, that, It's a mess, dude. In real time, that seemed weird to me, and I didn't really like that move. But I always try to just, remind myself and that, like, we everything he was doing back in, like, whatever that was, 2011, 12, whatever, like, we were like, man, this is brilliant. Yes, do it. And, um, and the, like, so I always try to refrain from just turning around and making fun of him for doing those things seven, eight years later or whatever. But that was something in real time that I was like, man, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not real sure about that. Otherwise, like whatever kept them off of direct TV was, was a very costly thing, but it, I, I can't really point to any one thing that they did that I can say, man, he should be fired for that. Uh, and the irony is that there, we're going to see diminishing returns on those rights fees anyway. Mm-hmm. It's what we've been talking about forever now right. and how it's going to change re- the, what we predict to be a realignment um, that may not even happen <laughs> in, in in probably starting like around 22. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they did. They, they screwed up. They bet on the future and the future was is really slow getting here or may never arrive in the way in which they thought it would. Right. Um, so it's, it is time to adjust big time. It is time to, to change up what they're doing big time. I don't know if they're going to do it in time. So Houston to um, 12 is what you're saying. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I wrote about that, you know, yeah. in, in the piece with Fertitta last week in the Houston Rockets deal in the university of Houston, but yeah, they've, they've met and had conversations already in, in a very obviously like, you know, informal manner, but it, I do think expansion might help. And and I know everyone's talking about like hypothetical hundred year futures where it's like, oh Hawaii, Hawaii and a team yeah. in a team in Tokyo or whatever, you know. Uh <laughs> in the near future, Houston makes a hell of a lot more sense. <laughs> we'll just do both. Houston and Hawaii. There you go. Mm. Or you know what? Larry you know what? Scott, That's not the worst idea. I mean, or Larry Scott, give me a call and we'll talk about a 2014 Pac-12 that has promotion and relegation in it. That's fine too. I can give you my number. Man, Olympic sports is a is a strange strange deal. I do wonder if that like I think that's what kind of played a major role in the whole Pac-12 no everything because everybody's got really good Olympic sports, but it's still. Just, they just grossly overestimated yeah. the 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 television value of that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's so ingrained in the culture there. It's hard to dismiss outright the way they do it in the South and the Midwest, where either the weather weather prohibits that or the culture just doesn't feature it. Mm-hmm. You know, everything from beach volleyball to rowing to whatever. But it they they made some bad bets on it. They did. <laughs> yeah. They made some bad bets. I I still think that as long as you content is king of the future. That's what we've been told a thousand times. Um, I still I still believe that because of the I mean, just as people who work in media companies and the stuff we deal with, we know that content and IP and ownership and all that, like the way in which you deliver it has to change. So 
I hate that every Pac-12 conversation comes back to the network, but that's I didn't it's, do it. I, I prefer it to Pac-12 left out of the playoff. Like, well, it, uh, anyway. Anyway, uh, this went way long. Uh, we'll try to stick to an hour on the Thursday show, and we'll see you Thursday, I think. Sound good? Yeah, we're uh, totally normal schedule. And please, send your advice, because I don't know how I'm going to consume football this weekend. <laughs>